Due to the serious nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. If you or anyone you know is suffering from depression, anxiety, or any other mental health concerns, reach out to your GP or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome back to The Candle. We hope that you are well and that you have been looking after yourselves. Today's interviewee is Aurora DVM, and she has sent us in this interesting little bio that I'm going to read out for you now. Aurora DVM is a multifaceted artist who sings from the heart and speaks the unspeakable. Aurora belts out gutsy topics with soulful gusto. She passionately expresses through original songs, poetry, and performance in order to challenge the stigma of mental illness, confront addiction, and give a voice to social justice issues. Aurora has directed and produced many original community art projects, including women's health groups, disability groups, mental health projects, and work with the marginalized. She has also performed in a variety of musical theater projects, flavored with her own brand of thought-provoking cabaret. Aurora DVM is also a practicing visual artist that enjoys life drawing, portraiture, and activism through art and has practiced therapeutic arts both professionally and for her own personal healing over several decades. We hope that you enjoy the interview. This podcast was recorded during lockdown, and as such, audio quality may vary. Again, I guess we'll have some formal introductions. My name's Gio. And I'm Sasha. Hi. And we've, yeah. we've been doing this podcast for a while, so we're so happy to have you on. Um, means the absolute world to us that you want to be on and that you're so generous with your time. Thank you. I really appreciate, you know, the acknowledgement and the, the interest. I can't quite see your face. The microphone's are covering up your face. Which is a bit unfortunate because you have a lovely face. So oh, thank that's you. I have a very soft voice. I feel like I need the microphone just to boost up <laughs> the volume a little bit. But every now and then I'll pick my head out. But I can I now um I understand why you guys went as um Gomez and uh, Morticia. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> totally see that. Did you oh. slip your hair back, Sasha? Ah, oh, beautiful. You did the whole suit thing with the cigar and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just stuff I found in my wardrobe. It's how he dresses generally. Like if you see him down the street, he's always in a suit. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a real interest in that kind of um that era, that reemergence of that sort of elegant era and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm, it's music. beautiful. Absolutely. Mm. What, what did you get up to on Halloween, by the way? Um, uh, nothing except, I think I might have done a life drawing, um, class, an online life drawing class. I actually have, uh, the drawings behind me. This is an example, like this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Where this was my latest. So yeah, just, um, doing, I did an online life drawing class that was like, the Adams family based. Very cool. 
That's mm. awesome. We were just actually admiring it on Instagram, some of your drawings. It was sifting through them. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Actually kept me sane. Well, that's been like a real lifeline for me because I like I just don't know what I would have done without it, you know. Like it's just been such a saving grace being able to have, you know, that outlet. And I think it's really opened up, a, you know, sort of new uh, possibilities, you know, even to like continue with that for people that are isolated for a number of reasons and stuff. You found that working with drawing as opposed to performance sort of helped you throughout this period? Not as opposed to, but it's just that, I mean, um, I guess there weren't a lot of performance opportunities except maybe for open mics and stuff like that, which I did as well. Like I did, and there's some good ones and some bad ones and that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, and I tried, I dipped my toe in a number of, of uh, different open mics. And um, the ones I've been doing with Vibe Union have been really cool. Mm. Yeah, like um, that's been, that gave me an extra kind of boost and an extra sort of arm as well too, because I, I'm very passionate about singing and songwriting. So, um, and I basically use that as a platform to be able to, just kind of test out my songs on people yeah. on the unsuspecting public <laughs> yeah what have been some um, of your I guess some reactions that have stood out to you from people when listening to your new material yeah it was it, I was thinking about that today um it's kind of a bit like painfully entertaining <laughs> a bit and when I say that I mean like like for example um when I played the video of a song that I did, My Favourite Things. Yes. It's kind of like this punch in the guts. And to be honest, it was really challenging for me to look at, back on it because I think, shit, you know, I do a lot of work that's really uncomfortable and that's always been my way of doing things. Yeah, I must admit some, some of the comments like, you know, like some people react in different ways when mm. they're challenged you know, and when they're, when something is just like, oh, wow, you know, I can relate to that or, oh, that's a bit too close for comfort. One comment, like, you know, pop those pills. And, and I was a bit offended by that because I sort of thought that's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, there's a way, you know, you can like laugh at people or laugh with people, but not laughing at people. So I guess there's a ways and ways of, you know, of honouring that kind of work without kind of putting the person down. I, and other people were like, oh, I bloody love this. You know, where can I see the, you know, the video? And, you know, and I'm sure it had a really big impact as well too. Like that recording was actually from a show that I did with a mob called um, Amaru uh, Media back in 2006. And they were like, you know, um, they put on, we put on like a basically like a kind of a cabaret and it was really bloody awesome, you know, of people, you know, that, uh, identified as having you know mental health okay. issues and stuff like that and the response on the night and stuff it was just so fantastic just like people who actually experience these things like going Woo, like on my side you know what I mean and that feeling of you know people who are on your side and people who understand the sort of things that you're talking about and just to give also a bit of history of that particular song I did a project back in the year 2000, because I come from a performing arts background and I've run many projects, particularly with women. So I did, um, I had a, sh uh, a 
I had a, a, a project called the Women's Performance Project. And it was, I was particularly interested in inviting women who had, you know, issues with addiction and with mental health to come together. And I advertised in the local papers and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, to be part of this project and to learn skills from me and uh, to be part of, eventually be part of this, you know, show. So, and that, my favourite things, the original take on that song was written by the women in the group and the one that I did online I completely I rewrote it I might have taken some elements from it and stuff but originally we did it as a group and women were putting in all kinds of like lines and stuff like that that related to them especially the the lines at the beginning you know my mood is falling you know madness is calling and antidepressants all lined in a row here is a new one I'll give it a go those were some of the original lines from the piece and that was just one of the my most proudest moments we we did it in um it was all kind of like instigated by myself and produced and directed and I also performed in it and stuff like that which was pretty um yeah it was such a journey you know because it was also a journey for these women a mental health journey as well you know but it was it was a develop. It was an art therapy for for all of us. That, that's amazing. I, I love how collaborative the creation of this song was initially, mm. and how special to involve people in the community in the creation of this song and being able to put in their input and take this journey all together. That might have that been- was very important. Yeah. yeah, gosh, it must have been quite an experience for you. It was so amazing. Um, you know, we did it, we performed it at um, uh, the Women's Hospital, the Royal Women's Hospital, which I don't believe exists anymore. I'm not sure. Anyway, it was a program called Absolutely Women's Health. You know, they gave us a, like a, a, the space, which was amazing, the, the, the theatre, and uh, they gave us like a little bit of funding in kind to cover um things like um publicity and stuff like that and um I think I might have also gotten just a like a a small grant but I've I've done like um like a number of community projects where I've just I've just said okay this is what we need in the community like some of my recents like we move across to say the visual arts a few years ago just prior to studying my two certificates in in visual arts I ran a project called Artful Healing um, which got some seed funding from um, the local council yeah and that was pretty cool because I went up to them and said you know we don't have any kind of group art that you know focuses on you know attracting people who are isolated for mental health uh, because of mental health issues for example um, as well as amongst other things and you know they supported me and that was so cool you know and I did yeah and we ran a number of workshops and then other opportunities where when I was part of a you know mental health group with Amaru as well too like keep saying please you know give me an opportunity to be able to sort of show you know my love of teaching portraiture and art you know with with uh, the participants and they gave me an opportunity finally, which was really cool, you know, to acknowledge, you know, my experience in, in teaching and being able to communicate with people 
not only skill-wise, but also just to be able to make them feel like that they could really achieve this. And, and it resulted in this group exhibition, you know, of all these awesome, you know, portraits, all so different. I, what I did is I, I asked the um, participants to do portraits of their carers. Oh. And then, yeah, and then that was um, uh, uh, presented at uh, a local community um, centre as well. And I think it might have been also um where be mercy just trying to kind of remember all the sort of yeah. you know things that I'd done and stuff like that and then I've done a lot of I studied uh performing arts uh back at uni in VU um back in the early 90s and that was that just opened up my whole world my majors were in dance and drama and after that you know I was just like really about trying to break the mold and doing this kind of cabaret that was really in your face but really confronted some pretty full-on topics you know what I mean like how do you combine you know Buto with a story about you know sexual assault you know mm. for example do you know what I mean and I've done performances also about you know exploring the uh, themes of love and stuff and just all the whole sort of spectrum and gamut of that you know mm. Oh, it sounds extensive and so enriching, all these different experiences. And they seem to have a, a running theme of looking at the relationship between mental health and creativity and letting them have a crossover. Well, what does it mean to you to have that connection with creativity, with mental health and that kind of exploration? Yeah, I would say that the therapeutic aspect is integral to my art. It's as like what I mentioned before about being uncomfortable like that. It'll be usually like when I write a song or write a piece of theatre or apart from what I do with the life drawing and, and portraiture, that's just my, uh, you know, a delight for me that I do. But stuff that's specific like that um, to me, um, yeah, it's about a, a healing journey for me. It sort of has to be, I guess, in line with what's happening for me at the time or mm. what's happening around me at the time. It's always been essential to me, maybe knowingly or not or not knowingly, you know, like when I first started to, I guess, work this way, perhaps I did it unconsciously, you know, with, with the performing arts sort of side of things. But then I became more and more aware of that, how essential it was, you know to have that as part of what I do you know and it can be like um it doesn't have to be presented in a doom and gloom in fact the way I, my cabaret shows as I said like that there's been moments that have been shocking moments that are like very funny and entertaining and stuff you know and you can be really clever in how you present things you know so people can I guess you know digest or not you know or but look at them but they'll you know they'll be they'll feel uncomfortable you know well, in a way um, your um your artwork is almost an exorcism of these themes and ideas that have been around you right yeah it's interesting that you use that word you know i mean like it's just like it reminds me of like you know some of those songs that i've written and stuff you know or almost like that sort of automatic writing you know and with the songwriting as well too but it can be, especially like there's nothing worse than being silent. It's got to come out sooner or later, you know. Um, so, and it's really empowering just to be, you know, able to just 
let it explode out, you know, like a kind of an exorcism, if you like, you know what I mean, exercising those demons, you know, that have a hold of the oars, which is one of my, the lines from one of my songs. So in terms of your artwork being considered uncomfortable, do you think that's from, is that more from the audience's perspective or from yourself exploring those themes? Both, both. The whole process for me is definitely an uncomfortable one. I don't, I'm not one of, oh, I can't stand, like, I'm not one of these artists that, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be really, you know, shocking just to be shocking. You know what I mean? I really hate that shit. I find it really fake. I'm talking about if it lends to that particular point that you're trying to make. And why is it, do you think, that the audience, um, because a lot of the themes that you do explore in your art, the, these are themes that a great many people have been exposed to in different ways. It's not, yeah. in a sense, these themes are, are, they're not anything new to come from yeah. that field, no. But no. why do you think it's people find them uncomfortable? Sorry, it's how you it's say how them. It's how you say them. That's true. <laughs> but why is it, do you think, that the audience finds them shocking or uncomfortable? Mm. I think I think because it hits a nerve. I'd, hey, I haven't inter, you know invented the wheel or anything like that, but I know it makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it's how how you say it mm. as well too, and I think when you you address the elephant in the room, so to speak, and you say it how it is, it can make you know, people, you know, some people are like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and other people are like, you know, oh, no, mm. I can't handle this, you know. I, what, essentially, what actually are you asking me? And so sorry if I keep on interrupting. No, no, you're, you're right. Um, just, I just wondered whether or not it was, because the audience, you know, it, it's not like you're bringing to them an idea that they have never heard before. That's right. So yeah. you would expect that the audience, in a sense, would, sort of go, okay, this falls within this bracket of idea. Let's see how the artist explores it, which makes sense. Um, what I'm wondering is why do you think the audience specifically finds it uncomfortable? Do you think that's something that the audience, is it because the audience isn't expecting to see this sort of material? Um, do you think it's because the audience doesn't want to see this kind of material or is it because they simply do not view this kind of material as acceptable to be spoken about or explored in art? No, I can only sort of speculate. One, it depends on your audience. Mm. As I mentioned before, like when I was doing my my favourite things at the, you know, the cabaret and then a lot of the audience were people like people with mental illness and carers and people who worked in the industry, it wasn't like laughter all the way because there's parts of it that's like, oh, okay, and it starts to be gloom here or whatever because you kind of have to give them a bit of a dose of laughter and then give them a bit of a reality kick and then a bit more laughter maybe or a happy ending. But like, for example, with the Women's Performance Project, there's one woman that was exploring, you know, the, you know, the death of her child, you know, of, at birth. And how the fuck do you express that in a fucking cabaret and make it entertaining and then allow her to have a moment of, you know, exorcism, you know, mm -hmm. exercising that and look after that person. Some people, like I remember there was a panel, you know, and one woman stood up and said, don't you think you might be doing more damage? Whatever. And even before I had a chance to even answer that, to address that, you know, one of the women from the group stood up and say, hey, this has been really liberating for us. Mm. Sometimes when you try to speak out the truth, 
some people they like to they they try to gag you you know what I mean I don't know maybe it's you know good vibes only <laughs> I don't know I'd love to ask you the same question throw it throw it back handball it back to you yeah why do you reckon you know what's your like as an audience member what was your feeling to it? What was your reaction? How did it make you feel? I really enjoyed it, you know? to be honest. Um, it was actually different, which is something that I, oh. I find very exciting in, um, in watching a performance. Because, yeah, it, it actually explored some interesting topics and did it in an interesting way. I think you did Tom Waits justice with this quote of, um, you know, I want to hear a beautiful voice say terrible things. I didn't feel like you were doing it any disservice. I felt like you were simply exploring a theme in the way that you best felt you could communicate and explore that theme. Yeah, I just I find it really interesting that combining particularly cabaret mm. and not sort of strict like like this a cabaret, you know, that it's like musical theatre, mate. Uh, I guess I should call it, but I like to call it cabaret because it's kind of a bit of everything. I like the idea of like for example, with my uh, with the song, I don't know if you've heard it, and certainly we can in- include it. Stigma Blues. Did I have you heard me perform that one? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was playing with a bit of music, doing a bit of. Uh, I, I was. I played a backing track, which was very electro swing. You know. Oh, so. Right. So and and you know and I'm and I'm singing words like, do you know what's going on in my mind? You know. Just like a billboard, you can read the sign, you know, just take two pills and go to bed with your cruel words ringing in my head, you know, and I'm and I'm making it all boppy, boppy, you know what I mean? But it's coming from life experience, real experience, you know, um, and real thoughts and real... <laughs> I actually wrote that song following, like, an argue, argument with my sister mm. where I just felt so outraged by, you know the kind of you know the, the the stigmatic I don't know if that's a word or not that's a problem with mental health stigma it's just like as soon as you express yourself people tend to put you in a box they like to put me in a box where they can read the label so I'm singing this in this kind of jazz swingy kind of thing I love the idea of that and I have this whole fantasy of how I'd, I'd love to be able to do a whole video clip and stuff like that of real very burlesque and you know all that very swing kind of thing you know where where I'm singing these kind of lyrics I'm singing about mental uh, health stigma but in that boppy kind of way you know who says you know you can't marry the two but I guess that's what I would say is different about me Mm. yeah which is not something that you asked but I thought I'd chuck that in anyway And completely agree with that. There was something so exciting about seeing my favorite things on the Vibe Union stream. It stood out so much. And I love that relationship with the cabaret style, but also these very human lyrics. Aurora, how do you protect yourself when you're on stage? Because some of the themes, like I said, feel very human. How do you protect yourself when you are going for the in your face and that punchy tone, as you mentioned earlier? Well, I remember something that we were taught back in uni, having, I guess, having all that kind of training and all that kind of stuff, and that did also give me up in a certain way. I remember, and I'm not sure if it was Stanislavski or something that we were learning at the time, his techniques, and I'm just going to sort of say the gist of it, something along the lines of, you know, it's like you, you have that cathartic moment before 
that so then when you're on stage, you're not actually reliving it, reliving that moment. But having said that, it's not always easy. Often I feel exhausted afterwards. But while I'm doing that, while I'm doing my performance, generally I, you know, I tend to feel very, very powerful and in in myself and I feel like I'm very, very present and I'm not concerned so much about what the audience think of me and stuff like that. I'm just mainly trying to do justice to what I do. I, I guess I just mainly focus on my art, just like that, making sure that, you know, that my voice is right, that I know what I'm doing and stuff like that. But sometimes it can be fallout afterwards, I guess, you know. Um, you can feel really exhausted after you've sort of given your all. Sometimes you can be better also at looking after others than yourself. Like, for example, when I've been directing and stuff and, you know, and you have to look after so many people, you know, that's pretty challenging, you know, to look after their mental health journey when you're directing other people with mental health issues and you're trying to put on a show as well. It's like you have to be vulnerable to a certain extent. I think vulnerability is a good thing, but if you're feeling kind of really dis disempowered and stuff like that, I think it's really important in a sense to, to lick your wounds and to nurture yourself and make sure that you're okay. I've done performances where I've kind of given blood, sweat and tears and stuff, most of my stuff, if not all, you know, where it's kind of like a giving birth process, you know. I remember like one show that I did, you know, which was really bloody in your face, you know, it was called Popcorn which I was exploring the whole notion of, you know, the male gaze and what's pornography versus nudity and what's the difference and where's the fine line and stuff like that. And I did a reverse strip where I had popcorn bikini to start off with, with all this kind of like very classical music and I'm doing these classical poses and stuff. And then at the end, very, very raunchy cheesecake poses. No, actually the, the opposite way around. Anyway, from the popcorn bikini to, to naked, which was very shocking for people to kind of see in terms of not, not just, oh, you know, she's naked, get people to sort of like go, oh, okay, how are we like to and now? Are we looking at her as a raunchy doing a striptease of this popcorn bikini or are we looking at her as this kind of like, you know, this finer type of dancer doing a pose but naked, you know? And then I had the stripper music while I'm doing these fine art poses. So I kind of reversed the thing. And, oh, my God, you know, it really pissed people off. The first thing which was that people were pissed off about having to sort of pay money for this, this show and stuff like that because it was a piece at uni. Secondly, as they saw that, you know, I'm throwing popcorn everywhere and rubbing it on myself and stuff like that, I see... Everyone just going, what? <laughs> spit it out like, oh, my God, you know, um, we're eating this popcorn, you know, making that kind of relationship. And, oh. to this, and to this day, they still remember that performance oh, as in, you know, Aurora's always going to do something that's just going to, you know, piss people off or just, and often very, very feminist kind of stuff. Yeah, wow, Okay. A bit of everything. So how do you handle criticism? Because I'm, I'm, I know we have a lot of performers and artists and singers, musicians that would be really curious as they're getting into this field, how do you handle criticism and negative feedback? 
Well, as I mentioned before, it's just like it's if somebody's trying to kind of undermine you, like, you know, purposely undermine you or just sort of say mean things, and that's not very nice. If it's genuine constructive criticism, and often it's not, like people don't say, oh, like I can tell myself if my, you know, if my voice is off or my performance is off or whatever else it is and that, you know, I can hear that for myself. But if it's if it's personal kind of attacks, you know, um, it's not easy. I must say, you know, like I'm just recovering just recently from having somebody kind of, you know, make comments which it's just like what pisses me off is it's like um, some people will, the first way that they'll attack you is kind of like by making really nasty comments about your mental health. Mm. And I'm like, that's really fucked up because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not here for your entertainment. No, I'm I'm not here to for you to discuss my state of mental mm-hmm. health and stuff. I'm here to present, you know, it's like a another expression of of that. And I guess it depends on what the the comments are. You know, I mean, for the most part, I've been getting like really good comments. And if and if I see sort of ones that are like a bit bitchy or a bit catty or whatever, I just think, okay, I don't think this is about me. I think it's actually something about them or or maybe it's made them feel uncomfortable or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's very, it's very, very seldom, very rare that somebody will give you genuine critique on your oh well I think that you know you should have been singing in this range and I think this is you know <laughs> you can't you can't control what's going on around you you can't control the way people are going to introduce you you know there's a lot that you can't control but all I can say is it's about remaining true to yourself I know it sounds like a cliche and all that but just you have to just keep reminding yourself you know why you're here and what you're here to do and what you do well I can't fail to be myself <laughs> And I didn't make up that quote, but, you know, I really love it. You can't fail at being yourself. Beautiful. Well said. Thank you. And I, I think learning about your experience and how you perceive that idea of criticism will be helpful for other listeners because there are a lot of people that are more than willing to give criticism and, as you mentioned, not always constructive, unfortunately. We hope you're enjoying this episode of The Candle. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. This podcast was supported by the Mooney Valley City Council through the Clock Tower Centre Podcast Studio Residency Program. Do you have a brilliant idea for a podcast that you've been waiting to share with the world? Well, the wait is over, as our brand new podcast studio is now available for bookings at the Clock Tower Centre. The studio is free to book and available 8.30am to 5pm Monday to Friday. Visit clocktowercentre.com.au to book your free recording session. So Aurora, I'm curious about, and, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, that's completely fine, but I'm curious about mm-hmm. your mental health journey and what that has been like for you. And if there's anything that you'd be willing to share that you think would be helpful on this platform for listeners. Well, I think, for example, uh, you know, with with a condition like bipolar, um, you know, which is classically known as, you know, or used to be known as manic depressive, you know, 
it's like the highest could be a fantastic opportunity to be able to write copious amount of lyrics or get things done and stuff like that. But unfortunately, it's just like some people really, really experience those extreme highs and then it just gets really so crazy that they can't control it. But it's not all a bad thing having like, you know, a mental illness. It's not a like utilise it as well too. It's also giving you, giving you a language, giving you um an insight into things that you can feel been able to feel things very deeply i've managed some you know and done some great stuff during manic periods as well as also you know when i've felt very depressed as well too i've written a lot a lot of poems and a lot of songs or but it's when you can get it out of you is what's really really important rather than holding it in express it anywhere you can is the best advice that i can to people express it don't us underestimate the um the power of art in whatever form whatever way shape and form it's been incredibly tough you know um i'll be honest my own journey and i'm still kind of like continuing on with it too also with my health issues as well like i've got some other health issues that are also exacerbated with the mental health i guess I'm at a stage that I just, I'm just trying to keep on finding value in what I do, keep on finding value in myself, keep on speaking my voice in, in the best possible way I can. I guess for most of my life, even as a young person, I was, you know, I felt, and I felt deeply as well as, but, you know, I'm very empathic as well. And when it was suggested, oh, you know, you might have a mental illness or something, I was like, what? No, I was very, very adverse to the labels and I still don't enjoy the labels. I still don't like them. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable when people sort of like label me as that because then it's kind of like makes me feel like as if that's all they see. And I think it's really important to see past that so-called disability, see past that and see the person and see what they, you know, what they bring to the table rather than oh, they have this or have that. I'm also a carer. I have a, an adult child you know, with um, Asperger's, so navigating that as well too, you know, has been pretty, pretty tough. I guess, as I said, um, yeah, I think just trying to find something to hold on to, something to inspire you every day is really, really important. Where's all the support for, you know, mental health support for, you know, artists and musos? Mm. No, that's it's not something that's focused on and I mean my bloody mental health has taken a dive you know for the worst or well, obviously like other people have you know during all the lockdown and everything like that but it continues to be an issue because you know I'm living in a world of the vax and the vax nots you know and it's like I'm having to kind of like na navigate that and what that means for me as a creative person you know mm -hmm. and what little opportunities that I have to continue to be creative you know and to find something to look forward to so there's just a lot out of our control at the moment and it's I think it's such a tough time especially because the way that the arts in particular and entertainment and music and that have been used as a platform to push certain things you know which is just 
segregated so many people. And I just don't know how that's just going to look like. You've hit such a great point about the idea of more tailored mental health resources for artists. Because I think that's something that's really uniquely special, that if we have these mental health resources that are tailored for artists and what they're going through and the lack of opportunity, that is really interesting. And that's something that impacts the arts community. That's a really good point. What's what's important, though, too, is, is like I find that with all these sort of do-gooder organisations and whatever, it's just like walk for this and walk for that and this, that, the other. And for me, it's really important about that it actually gets to the people who need it and it's practical mm. help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, that's why I like doing projects, you know, the, which it's going to help people um, directly, as well as having resources and stuff like that, you know. But they've got to be specific. I think there's there's a lot of a, a lot of window dressing, you know, and not enough, you know, actual getting to the nuts and bolts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of talk out there. Exactly. Beautiful. I, I like that you're alluding to this idea that mental health is a continuous journey. So I I yeah. feel that it is for all of us. I don't feel like anyone is going to be at this incredible winning finish point. I think that it's going to be a continuous journey throughout our entire lives. And there's something really special about that kind of relationship. Um, I also really appreciated this idea of mental health being like a language because Mm. art and creativity is another way of perceiving that as language also. Mm. Mm. I hadn't thought about that before too. Is just like I just kind of come up came up with that about the language thing you know but yeah it really kind of really is you know Mm. um and I'm sure many you know musos and stuff and artists can relate to that you know um yeah like Sasha would be able to relate um to that um where it's just like sometimes this well not sometimes for me often I feel like that this the lyrics write themselves you know and or you, you hear you hear the words, oh, I hear the words, um, I hear all the music as well too, but unfortunately I don't play an instrument, but I, I'll, I hear everything, including, you know, exactly, and it's not always my voice, you know, what it's meant to sound like and stuff like that. It's just like it just comes from nowhere. And if, if you then try to, like, write lyrics that you think should go there, they sound really stupid or dorky or whatever um but if you go with that first thought you know that first yeah it tends to be more authentic so did you have any uh, projects on the horizon anything that we can follow that we can stay tuned for um at the moment I'm refining the the songs that I had a bit of a play around with online and stuff like that so I'm really super keen to get into the studio so to speak I mean or you know to bring the studio to me and just to work on like recording those songs so that's been a long-term goal of mine to be able to find some ways in my very limited technological way techno savvy way not to be able to do that so that would be really awesome that's something that um organizing at the moment just to sort of like work through and how that's going to look like it's a bit uncertain at the moment as I mentioned you know I'm trying to like basically navigate what opportunities are out there for me in this situation that we're living in 
I, the other thing I would like to do, if there's a way, as I said, an opportunity um, in or an organisation that doesn't discriminate, would love to do an exhibition. People have been hounding me for a while to do like a solo exhibition. So that's something that, you know, could possibly work. That would be um, fantastic. Very much so. Yeah. So either like either a solo exhibition or could be sort of part of a group thing and stuff like that because there's there is a lot involved. So those those are two big kind of projects, you know, that uh, could potentially work concurrently and stuff, you know. So I'm um, just trying to navigate my way around how I can actually make it happen. I would love to do all these things. I would love to go out, you know. I, I've been mourning. I've mean, been mourning because, you know, I would love to go out and do life drawing. I would love to go and, you know, perform and stuff, you know. And I got all excited, like, yay, you know, the doors are open and stuff. It's just like, you know, if the doors are only open for some, you know, it makes my life bloody difficult. But, you know, I was just thinking today, oh, God, I would love to form on stage again. That'd be so awesome. And the, the thing that I would be doing is definitely a, like a one-woman cabaret show and just Oh, kind of... wow. So we're just about to wrap up. Where can we yeah. see more of you on Instagram or YouTube, Facebook? Um, Instagram is where I post my um, artwork and a couple of little kind of videos or just uh, pictures which have got the link to the videos. Uh, Vibe Union, um, a number of their um, uh, open mic nights I did recently, over like the last month or so. Also the Talking Blue um, on YouTube, you can find me under Aurora DVM or Aurora Van Maurick. And yeah, and Facebook, I'd, yeah, it's more just Facebook's pretty bloody boring these days. So yeah, I wouldn't really bother with that. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and being so open and beautifully reflective and just being on our podcast. It's still a little podcast, so we appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Aurora. <laughs> Grazie. Uh, uh, how do I pronounce your name? G Gio? Giovanna. Gio Giovanna. Oh, say Giovanna. Giovanna e Sasha. Molto oh. piacere. Grazie. Mi, mi fa molto piacere di averti conosciuti. Thank you, Aurora. And a big thank you to the Muni Valley City Council for giving us the opportunity to share these stories of these incredible artists with you. And we would love to leave you, as promised and mentioned earlier, a rendition of My Favourite Things by Aurora. Thank you. to see me better
La la 